Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode three of What the Fuck Am I Doing With My Life? Starring yours truly, Tino Killed It. And uh, something I want to talk about in this episode is going to vary from my performance experiences and things that I feel are beneficial for artists and things that artists can probably do without. Now, some of these are going to be no-brainers. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, but some of these just might surprise you. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so I have probably done my first bit of performance when I was like, actually, yeah, my first ever performance was, I was 10 years old. And um, I had did a talent show in fifth grade or something. And I had did a rendition of Thriller by Michael Jackson. Um, something that like a lot of people who grew up with me, cause being in Tracy, a lot of people know, like, you know, everybody knows everybody. And, uh, those who grew up with me <laughs> know that performance very well for how hilarious it was. Um, but it definitely was the, like the moment where I was like, Oh, I want to be on stage all the time. I love being the center of attention. I did like dance performances in middle school. And then I did like acting in high school so and I did a lot of like theater stuff in high school um and uh so when I when I came to actually like performing for music uh my first performance for music um if I remember correctly actually it was a show that I got on um thanks to a artist from my area named Fonzo um put me on this show at Modesto Virtual and uh, for me, I'm like, oh, man, it's a big deal. You know, it's my first show, like, you know, all this stuff. And I remember, like, pushing flyers like crazy, trying to get people to show up and buy tickets. And, I mean, I didn't sell shit, dude. I think I sold, like, four tickets. And, like, two of them were for my parents and, like, one was for my sister. So it's, like, um, it was kind of pathetic, dude, like, honestly. But, you know, I go there, and I'm there with Phil, I think Phil was there with me and my boy Ro. I'm pretty sure those were the two that were there with me. And um, (laughs) we did what we could on that stage, man. And uh, we had fun. And, I mean, it was so, like, you know, uh, like, just crazy impactful on me because it made me want to keep performing. Um, From there, though, I couldn't really book too many shows. It was kind of, you know, hard at the time because, you know, uh, a lot of things were... Uh, dealing with pay to plays and you know having to pay a certain amount to get onto a show and you know me only being like 18 19 at the time I didn't really have money like that like I couldn't really afford to be like on these shows that probably could have gotten me exposure and I remember being upset about that at the time but also like kind of looking back on that now probably a saving grace you know what I mean um and I mean I'll probably explain that a little bit further down the line but um I kind of started doing more like open mics and just kind of just trying to get any sort of performance experience that I could because I remember actually because there were open mics that I did before like I did the Modesto virtual show at least I'm pretty sure but I know there was one in particular that I did and I remember you know we recorded it and uh actually no this was all after Modesto virtual but still I I remember watching back one of my performances that I had recorded and I'm literally staring at the ground the whole time and I have one hand in my pocket and the other one holding the microphone I'm thinking in my head oh my god I am literally the world's worst like 
rapper that there is. Like, how the... Like, how the hell am I going to sit there and be a rapper and rap about the fact that I'm so good at rapping, but yet I'm literally sitting there looking like the most, like, non-confident person that there is. And it... uh, It would... Yeah, looking back on it now, I I just laugh so much. Um, Especially now because my performances are so animated, but... It's those experiences that really count. And I and I don't want people to discredit that, dude. Like open mics and like any type of free performance is is good for you, dude. Like I did so many like let's see. So I'm gonna go ahead and keep it a hundred percent honest because there I, I don't think I really ever told people this. And it was because I kind of had a fear of being looked at as, like, being trash, essentially, for it. Um, Now I really don't care, even if you do think I'm trash for it. Like, I mean, it it obviously didn't get me anywhere, so it doesn't matter. So I paid to be on a lot of the shows that I got the opportunity to be on, right? Um... And so when I say that, right, it's because, uh, one of, like, I've opened up for artists like Roach Gigs, uh, MCA, uh, Kirko Bangs, um, and then, uh, who else? I feel like I'm missing somebody there, but, um, but, like, all those shows, <coughs> I actually ended up paying for. Um, now, mind you, when they pay, it's, again, what they call a pay-to-play, and, I paid a certain amount to get tickets, and then I have to sell the tickets to get the money back. Um, now, at the time when I was doing these things, I wasn't really telling people that. Like, I told people I had tickets, and I was selling them for enough money just to get my money back. I wasn't trying to really make a profit off of it. Um, but I wouldn't really tell people that that was my money that I was, I was putting in there, you know? And, um, and, and like, you know, like, it was because it was kind of embarrassing to me, honestly, to know that it was like, damn, I really have to pay to, like, get these kind of opportunities. And honestly, nothing really came out of those shows, right? Like, you don't really get to interact with the artist and, you know, really get to network on that level. You get to network with other artists who also paid to be on this lineup. Like, it, I mean, it's fine. I don't really regret it, but I wouldn't say it really helped me out either. Um, and then... On the other side of the spectrum, right, you got shows that you don't pay for, right? Open mics. Um, I've done charity events and, like, things like that. And sometimes those opportunities actually will end up presenting themselves, like, more beneficial for you than the pay-to-plays. And that's something that, I mean, like, I'm sure people who are, like, been doing music now as long as I have, we'll probably be like, well, no shit, duh. But, like, those of you guys who are probably coming in, like, understand that, like, I feel like open mics are such a lost, like, art for rappers. Um, You know what I mean? It primarily belongs to, like, musicians who, like, play instruments and, you know what I mean? And maybe sing. Like, you don't even really see too many singers there now. But it's more, like, musicians. And it's like, dude, like, rappers really can take over open mics. It's literally the most intimate of a setting that you can get. If you can't engage people in the most intimate setting, then I don't know what the hell you think you're going to do if you have, like, sold-out stadiums. 
right? Like, you look at some of the greatest performers that we have now, and the thing that sets them apart from everybody else is the fact that even in large masses, they know how to engage everybody. And that part is super essential when it comes to performances. And honestly, you won't get that from pay-to-play performances. You'll definitely get those from open mics and you know what I mean? I remember one time I actually did a performance outside of a grocery outlet. I'm not even kidding you. I got hit up by a guy who like, you know, really was a fan of my music. Um, and he really just wanted me to perform for this like charity, charity like booth or whatever that he had. <coughs> and it was outside of a grocery outlet. Put together like three, four songs, went there and knocked it out. And um, I remember at one point, because I was so upset, just like, you know, like, I'm like, this is like such a shitty environment to perform in, but I have to make it work, right? I couldn't leave until I made it work. I remember there was one song where I actually made them like cut the song and then like I rapped one of the verses, like just instrumental, (laughs) acoustic, essentially. And when I did, like, that's what brought the people in. And I was like, okay, let's bring the music back now. And then that's what engaged the people in. And I actually had probably about a good, like, 30 people, like, you know, jumping around and stuff outside of a grocery outlet. Like, that, like, that to me is a way better performance than the 15-minute set that I had opening up for Kirko Bangs, where I had a pre-mixed DJ uh, set that I had to hand to the DJ who was there because my DJ couldn't come with me. And then he literally gets a press play and then I have to do all the work. And then even then, you spend the more than half the time hyping up the crowd by using the artist's name. So, like, they encourage you a lot to mention, like, oh, are you guys here to see Kirko Bangs? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I know we're all just, like, waiting to see Kirko Bangs tonight. Like, and it's all these, like, little cheap pops. And it's like, and dude, none of that benefits you. Like, it sucks. Like, um, I have yet to have anything beneficial come out of something like that. But I'll tell you what, those 30 people who were jumping outside of the grocery outlet that day, at least let's say 25% of them, right? Let's say, let's say a fourth of them had to have looked me up. And even if just half of those looked me up, it would be more beneficial than what I've gotten from any other pay to plays. So I do want to make one thing clear. When I say pay to plays, right? Um, I, it's, it's a term that's used for what that one particular thing is. I don't mean that you shouldn't pay for your craft. That is definitely a very different thing. And I'm sure that that probably goes without saying, but you never know nowadays. Um, Paying to open up for artists and having to sell tickets and... um, it really is a risk for you because you don't, there really is not much of a gain for it. Even if you do flip the tickets back to make the profit, you, you're you roughly making about $100 for a performance. And I mean, that's cool and all. And let's assume that those people do show up and they do come and like support you and see you. That's great. It's a great performance. 
but the artist isn't going to be backstage looking at you performing and being like, I should take that person on tour with me. That's the unfortunate part about it, right? And it's not, and like, sure, maybe there's a, there's an anomaly out there where that did work for somebody, but 99% of the people don't get through that way. So it's kind of like, why, why are you trying so hard to be that 1%? Don't do it, right? Like, like I said, it's more beneficial to do the free stuff and get, gain those opportunities that way. But here's what I mean about investing in your craft elsewhere then, right? Like when it comes to the quality of like your audio tracks and stuff like that, I mean, invest in that, right? Like, you know, pay for that, like pay for your instrumentals, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Don't just go and rip free shit off of like YouTube. I love YouTube beats too. I actually like do a lot of my music over beats that I get from YouTube, but I go through the process of like paying the producer and getting like the wave files to have the best quality. Or if I can and get it all tracked out, that's even better. And then when I can, then obviously I just lay the vocals down and get it all, you know, mixed and mastered in between. And that's why I'm very proud of the quality that I release. Um, but the thing is, um, when it, comes to okay hold on okay sorry about that um today is the day when they do the yards around the area that i live in and so there was just all that yard work going around and i have the window slightly open but if i close it it's just gonna do all that anyways uh so to continue off what i was saying um i'm not saying that like you shouldn't like like I said, there's ways to invest in your craft. And like when you invest in like the audio side of it and the presentation of it and overall the distribution of it, that's more beneficial than like these pay to play performances, right? Like um, if I'm going to pay to play for performances, here would be the asset I would do it, right? Let's say um, I get hit up by, uh, man, I don't know. Okay. You know what? Um, so I had ran into gold links like probably like two years ago that's a whole big other story too but anyways uh gold links has gone on to be kind of successful now and um let's say if he were to hit me up and be like hey tino like you know what i mean i'm looking for openers like you think you can make it out here to these dates like if i had to drop that on my dime i would find that to be beneficial for me like um i doubt that that would be the case i i highly doubt that would be how that goes but in the event of that that would be beneficial and the reason why is because the artist knows you personally right and because the artist is personally bringing you on even if you do have to drop that dime to kind of be able to get your foot in there just to be able to give that performance you better give the performance of your lifetime right because of that because if you show up to those dates and you have those people there because of that person's draw and you're able to captivate them, that artist backstage will be watching you, right? Because they know you, right? They called you to bring you out. So even though you did pay like to, to play, you're seeing the benefits right there in front of you. And what that performance can do for you in the long run will make you that money back. And a lot of times the experiences themselves also pay it back, right? Like maybe you won't receive anything career-wise out of it, but sometimes it's just such a great experience that it's worth doing it, right? 
Um, I love performing. I love, I love being on stage and, you know what I mean, captivating a crowd. And I do it in so many different aspects, you know what I mean? Because, like I said, everything that I did when I was younger between dancing and um, theater, and then it's like now, it's like, I, you know what I mean? It's like primarily rap, but it's like I definitely don't stray away from singing on stage. Like, I sing, you know, very comfortably on stage. Like, I uh, love doing, like, karaoke nights and stuff like that. I've even done a karaoke showcase before. And again, these aren't things that people are going to see as being the most beneficial for your career. But sometimes it's just getting that, that familiarity on stage and being able to captivate, like, the stages that you do have and how they pay out for you, right? Like, the best performance <clears throat> I've probably had to date um, would be the one that I did for X-Fest. Now... When I went through X-Fest and all that, I went through um, a promoter named uh, Robert Martin. And that man, like, legit gave me all of his efforts and um, did everything he could to try to help me promote and try to help me, like, you know, better my craft and stuff like that. Um, Although I do feel like we do have very different tendencies uh, and like how we kind of um like to promote ourselves um I very much respect that man's hustle um and what he did for me you know what I mean he like he gave me the opportunity to be able to perform on these stages and um it led to the express stage and you know what I mean like I didn't pay for that right I didn't pay for any of that like when I ran into Robert Martin and we did our all our production he gave me tickets to sell but I didn't pay for those tickets no, no money came out of my pocket for those tickets. Um, you know what I mean? So there were times when I would kind of front money outwards towards the tickets to, so that way I could, you know what I mean? Give that money, but then I would be able to get the money back in transactions later. And sometimes I didn't fully pay back. So I guess in some ways I did come out of pocket for it, but it wasn't in the same sense, right? That was more my own stupidity than it was, the system working against me because it wasn't and like I said those performances were beneficial I didn't get to seize those opportunities right and that and that sucks because I had those opportunities there in some of these performances and due to my own (laughs) self-sabotage I never fully seized those Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, is everybody's favorite portion of the podcast where Chino Killed It talks about how he self-sabotaged the opportunities that were given to him through his performances. Um, <clears throat> I say performances like there was ample opportunities, uh, but there wasn't. But the one in particular that really affected it, and it was, and it's because of this downward spiral that happened afterwards. Um, so right, the happy, one of the happiest moments of my life was right at about 2016 summertime. Like the pack was lit. We were doing everything together that summer and I had just got promoted into management at Amazon. So before, um, before I started into the management, I made sure that I took like a, I think it was like a three week vacation or two and a half week vacation, saved up all my vacation time and just cashed it all out on it. And, um, basically like took these like two and a half weeks off 
um, and we went out for uh, my homegirl Rack's birthday in San Diego, and like, I and the night before we leave for San Diego, I had um, this big X Fest performance. I was performing on the main stage, and I was opening up for uh, I Am Sue, um, Stage the Gemini, and T Pain. Um, and I was like one of the main acts on there and they had us on this big, huge ass stage. And, um, and so like basically, so, um, basically what they had, uh, done is they set up all these like speaker systems and everything like that. And I was going crazy. Like I was on the stage and I was like losing my mind. Um, but that opportunity was so huge because there was a tent in the back for all the main stage artists myself included that was able to just like kick it back there with like t-pain and i am sue and like sage the gemini and like all of them and being able to just network and connect with them and especially after like the performance that i went up there and gave i had a lot of people engaged it was like i was on a high and I wanted to be with my friends and I I walked away from the staging area after the performance and I just went out there with my friends and the promoter Robert was blowing up my phone like legit was just like hitting me up, where are you, where are you, why aren't you coming back here, like, I'm trying to introduce you to these guys, and I, like, just went completely quiet from it, and I can never fully explain why I did that, but that spiraled everything, because... After that, um, my boy EJ, who was in Yeah, You Right with me, which is the performing the performance duo that I was going by, <clears throat> we were going by, um, which got us these performances. Um, he, he, you know, got invested in his own uh, personal endeavors, and um, basically, Yeah, You Right ended up having a falling out, and we never picked back up from that, and. That killed all the momentum I had um, because, like, EJ was the reason I was getting performances, right? Like, the fact that it was a DJ and rapper combo worked so well for promoters and particularly for Robert Martin, who was booking us because he was like, oh, man, like, you come in, you get everything set up, you get everything going, like, and it's great. And, I mean, we were putting on, like, really great performances. And... um <sighs> Yeah, so after that happened, I I used it as an excuse, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not EJ's fault, you know what I mean? Like uh like yeah, you right was his idea to begin with. It was his idea that he brought me into, right? And so for him to if he wanted to pull the plug on it, that's completely up to him. It was his project to do so. Um I think I just had a lot more writing on it. And I guess I never fully explained that. So, um, 
and it's not like I didn't have the opportunity and I didn't seize it. So there's that. <sighs> yeah, if there was ever those moments I could take back, that's that's one of them. Alrighty, guys. Well, this concludes another episode of What the Fuck Am I Doing With My Life? See yours truly. Tino killed it.